You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Trainee Youth Minister Andy Fidock. Tonight's Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 1, verse. No, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 to 5, and can be found on page 554 of the Pew Bibles. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hey everyone, it's great to be with you here tonight. As Kirk just said, my name is Andy and I'm the trainee youth minister here at St. John's. Um, And today I'm going to be continuing our Advent series, as Kirk also mentioned. So Advent is this period in the lead up to Christmas Day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we also eagerly await for him to come again. So our series is based on a well-known hymn called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, We sang it last week, so you may have heard it then, but we'll also sing it again after I speak today. And this song is based on the prophecies in the book of Isaiah, so that's why we read from Isaiah chapter 2 just then. But before I jump into it, I'm just going to pray. God, we thank you for this time leading up to Christmas as we remember the birth of your son, Jesus. Please open our hearts and minds to what you want to teach us right now. Please guide my words with your Holy Spirit as I speak today. Amen. So my focus today is on the second verse of the song, which reads like this. O come, O come, Lord of might, who to your tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law, in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. So our reading today from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, it speaks about this mighty Lord. It looks forward to the day when one day Jesus will come and he'll rule over all the nations. He'll be raised high above all others, and he'll lead with justice and righteousness. As I was preparing to do this talk, I was feeling a little bit nervous to be talking on verses from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is all the books in the Bible before Jesus was born, and the New Testament is all the books after Jesus was born. So I was feeling a bit nervous to talk on the Old Testament because there's just so much in these books that I don't fully know or understand. So... One morning I was just sitting in my lounge room pretty early and I was praying and I was like, God, what do you want me to say today from these verses? And I felt like it would be a good idea to grab a piece of paper and I had some ideas starting to go in my head. So I just grabbed a piece of scrap paper from the study and just started jotting down ideas and starting to see a picture and getting excited that I might know what God wants me to say. I realized that the piece of scrap 
paper that I picked up wasn't actually a piece of scrap paper. It was actually a handout that my parents had been given in their life group. And on this handout, it had the chapter from the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. You might remember that a few months ago, we had someone come and speak to us from Ridley Bible College, and they spoke on this chapter. And it's a chapter that's all about love. But I'm not going to read that today, but there were two verses in it that really encouraged me when I read it. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. When the complete arrives, our incompletes will be cancelled. So I realise that as I speak to you today, um, no matter how much studying or preparation I've done of this part of the Bible, everything that I say is only going to be a portion of the truth of what we know about God. Instead of being nervous about that, I'm actually really excited because it means the more that we seek God and get to know him, there's always more that we can learn and we have the hope and the encouragement that one day we actually will understand it all. So if this is your first time here today, my hope is that from this small part of the Bible we're looking at, you start to get to see a picture of who Jesus is and what that might mean for your life. Similarly, when Isaiah wrote this book of prophecy, it only uh, revealed an incomplete picture of what was to come through Jesus. So I popped up, I stole Kirk's timeline from last week because I thought it was really helpful. So I popped this up here so we can get an idea of when the different things are that I'm talking about today. So the first is when the book of Isaiah was written, and then this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is written as if it's the people of Israel waiting for Jesus to come the first time, this Lord that they're waiting for. And then there's the birth of Jesus, and then his death and resurrection, and then all the way to where we are now. And I'll add a few more things to this timeline as we go. So our reading in Isaiah chapter 2 speaks of a future hope of a just Lord that would rule over all the nations. When I started preparing, I thought it would probably be a good idea for me to read Isaiah chapter 1 before I start trying to talk about chapter 2. And what I came across was actually a pretty stark contrast to our reading today. In chapter 1, it just quite honestly slams down truth after truth about how God's chosen people of Israel are failing to live lives honoring God. This is the nation that is spoken about in the verse um, from my song today, in the bit that says, Who to your tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law? So these people, God's chosen people, had been given his law as a way to set them apart from all other people because one day this Lord Jesus that Isaiah speaks about was going to come from this nation. So they had a pretty special status, these people. They knew that they were God's chosen people, and yet they still failed to live lives honoring God. So if we go back to chapter 1, it says that they were sinning by not trusting in God. Instead of trusting in him, they were putting their trust in money and things of the world. It says, your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love the bribes and chase after gifts. These people were also rejecting God's ways. It says, they have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. And they also weren't seeking justice for other people. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. These people deserved God's judgment because they weren't living lives honouring him. And it was especially because they were God's chosen people and they had been given a law. So that it pretty simply laid out to them how they were supposed to live. So that gives a bit of context when we jump into Isaiah chapter 2 today. It's pretty crazy that in the midst of these people living in sin, God would give them such a beautiful hope for the future. In verse 2 of our reading today, it says, The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established, 
as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. Imagine hearing this message where they were right then. It would have given them deep hope, but also struck them with a bit of fear. Because on the one hand, this was a message that was saying, one day there will be a Lord. That means you will be redeemed from all your sinning. You will be able to walk in his paths again. And also that this is a just God. He'll rule with peace. I really love the image in our reading that um, the Lord Jesus that was to come wasn't going to be someone that uses swords, but actually those weapons for war would get remolded into things for harvest and for growth. So that's on one hand, but on the other hand, this also would have reminded these people the power of this mighty Lord that they were currently choosing to disobey. But instead of it just ending there with a message of hope, it also ends with a call to action for the people of Israel. At the end, verse 5, it says, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I imagine this is kind of Isaiah writing down, Come on, guys, don't wait until Jesus comes, until this Lord I'm speaking about comes. I put it out pretty plainly. He's going to come to judge. He's going to rule over everyone. He is all-powerful. Stop waiting, but actually walk in his light right now. So looking back on this now, we know that this Lord that Isaiah spoke about was the baby Jesus that's born at Christmas time, the baby that we celebrate. But we also know that he wasn't just a baby that was born. We have more of the story. Uh, in the New Testament, we hear Jesus teaching about how to live a life walking in his path. One of Jesus' most famous teachings is called the Sermon on the Mount. This was one of his most famous teachings. He stood in front of a large crowd of people and he taught how he was the person that had come. He was the Lord that came. He was the Lord that came to fulfill the law that had been given to Moses all those years earlier. Did you know that there's actually a lot of people who have studied this sermon, lots of Christians, but also people that aren't Christian? And I came across people that were really surprised by Jesus' teaching that what Jesus is actually asking of his followers is pretty hard to do. And if we actually lived like this, the world would be a different place. So I encourage you as I speak a little bit about what Jesus spoke about walking in his path to really lean in because I think if you've been a Christian for a while, it's easy to be like, yeah, I know what Jesus is about, like be a good person, love other people. Um, But it's actually world-changing stuff. So in this sermon... Jesus taught about trusting God, that we can put our trust in God knowing that he knows what we need even before we ask it. Also, that we don't need to put our trust in money or things on the earth, but we can store up our treasures with him in heaven. He also taught us how to love other people well, not just the people that we really like or we get along well with, but actually those who hurt us, who he even says people who persecute you, you should love those people. He also teaches us to seek justice, giving to people who are in need, not in big displays so that everyone can see what you're doing, but actually in secret, just doing it because you want to love those people as you have been loved by Jesus. If you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I would really encourage you to read Matthew chapter 5 to 7. So like I said, this is world-changing teaching that Jesus gave, but like the reality is not everyone in the world is living like that, are they? Many people, including some of you today, may not have made the decision to live a life walking in the path of Jesus. 
Some people in the world have never even heard who this Jesus guy is and how he could change their life. And even those of us who do call ourselves followers of Jesus often do a pretty bad job at living like him. When I was in high school, I did an oral presentation on human trafficking and the exploitation of workers around the world. And there's this one article that I read that has stuck with me ever since. And it was about this town in China called Yiwu, where 60% of the world's Christmas decorations are made. Now, the people in this town work really long hours, often getting very minimal pay and in not very good working conditions. Many of these people don't know a lot about Christmas and most of them don't actually celebrate it themselves and yet their days are spent creating Christmas decorations for the rest of the world. When I first read this article, it made me feel a little bit sick. There's just such a huge contrast between our really excited preparation at this time of the year for Christmas, buying presents, decorating the tree, um, putting up decorations, getting together with family. That's such a contrast to these people who are working all year in poor conditions to create decorations for the rest of the world for a celebration about a man they may never even heard about. I share this story because I think it's pretty easy for us to point the finger at the nation of Israel and think, you guys have been given God's law. You've been laid out pretty easy the way to live, and yet you're still not living lives honoring him. But the reality is that many of these people probably weren't going out of their way to do evil. They probably weren't waking up each day and going, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to trust God today. These people were probably just going with the flow, living how everyone else in their culture was living. Not going out of their way to do evil, but not stepping back to reflect on their actions and how they might not be loving God or other people very well. When we don't intentionally spend time loving God, it can become very easy for us to forget who he is and how that means that everybody is created in his image. That means that everybody is valued and deserves to live a life of dignity. I think this is something that Christmas is really easy for us to do, for us to get so caught up in the rush of getting ready to not spend that time to just sit back and reflect on who God is and what that means for how we love each other. It's easy for us to spend a lot of money on ourselves and on our families when it's actually a celebration for everybody who Jesus is. Also, often at this time of year, don't trust God to supply our needs, but give in to the temptation to just buy lots of things that we don't need. Also, many things that we might not even know where they came from. I honestly think that this is the hardest, one of the hardest areas to be a follower of Jesus, because if we don't sit back and reflect on it, we don't actually realize that we're doing it. Like the nation of Israel, we too deserve God's judgment for the way that we're living. Even though we're so, not, so often not living the way God wants us to live, also like the nation of Israel, in the midst of that, in the midst of our sin, God gives us hope for the future. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This reminds me that God didn't make a mistake in creating us. That despite all the pain we cause, he is a mighty Lord. That when Jesus came, he died to take away the sin and all the things that separate us from him. He was then raised to life in the power of the Holy Spirit, defeating death itself. And what he did means that everybody can now live a life walking in his path. 
So God began the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy um, through Jesus, and now we wait for him to come again. In our song that we sing today, it says, In cloud and majesty and awe, we wait for this Lord, knowing that one day he actually will come back for good. As we read today, his temple will be established high above all others. All nations will stream to it, and it will be injustice, no longer war, but a world of peace. But the message doesn't just end there with hope for us. Also, like the nation of Israel, we're called to action right now. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We don't need to wait for him to come back again for us to start living lives honouring him right now. So to end, I'm just going to share a few random stories to encourage you of people doing just that, people deciding to live like Jesus right now. I caught up with a friend earlier this week, and she told me about a couple she knows who were making the decision about where they were going to live, and they decided, you know what, instead of buying a house, we're actually going to move into an apartment block. And these people love Jesus, and they wanted to do this because they wanted to be really close to their neighbours and intentionally put the time and space into loving these people well. So monthly they organise barbecue get-togethers to just chat with these people and let them know that they're there for them, to build community with these people, saying that we're the people that you call if something happens. If a crisis happens, you need babysitting ASAP, call us, we've got your back. I think it's really cool that in a time like just all around Australia, we're always so busy that these people would actually carve out so intentionally space to love other people like Jesus. Also, I'm really encouraged by our community here at St. John's. Uh, it's really cool to be in a community of seeing people living like Jesus each day. A couple of weeks ago after the service, I got chatting to someone who had just been invited to someone else's family Christmas. Someone had just heard that they had nowhere to go this year, and they said, oh, just come celebrate with us. And I know that there's heaps of other people in our church that have also made those kind of offers over the years. Another story, recently someone in my life group just got back from going on a thing called Red Frogs. And if you don't know what that is, it's when a bunch of Christians get together and they go to schoolies hotspots, so places where people are celebrating the end of year 12. And she was saying to me it's a really cool thing to do because she gets to live out her faith and love people that in that moment might not actually really to be deserve to be that loved. They get to give water, take people home and just have chats. She said a really common conversation that comes up is that people be like, oh, you're not getting paid to be here? Like, no, actually, we paid to be here. And that leads on to really awesome conversations where people are so surprised that because they love God, they just want to love these people. Another story. Uh, last week, many of you took the opportunity to buy gifts from the only just store that we had here at church. You chose to buy gifts that you know where they're coming from. You know that the people who made them are living a life with dignity. They're being paid well and they're being valued for their work. So all around us, there are stories of people choosing to live a life and more like Jesus to intentionally spend time loving God and choosing to love others out of knowing who he is. We don't always do it perfectly, but we can wholeheartedly choose to live a life walking in the light of our Lord. So as I come to an end of speaking today, I just wanted to remind you on something I said earlier. Like the nation of Israel, we're probably not waking up each day saying, you know what, today I'm going to be evil. It's probably more likely that we're not spending the time to sit back and reflect on different areas of our lives and how in those areas our actions might not be loving God or people very well. 
So I'm just going to leave a bit of time of silence now for you to ask God, what can I do to walk in the light of the Lord? After you, the service, you might like to write this down or share it with someone. So it's not just a thought you had, but it can go into an action that you do this week. So after a little while, I'll end in prayer. God, we thank you that you're a mighty God who will one day rule over the whole earth with justice and righteousness. Please help us to walk in the light of the Lord Jesus as we eagerly await his return. Please come back soon, Lord of might. Amen. If you'd like to support the work of this podcast and the broader work of St. John's, head to our info hub, stjohnsdc.info, and click the giving card.